year and they anoint that day as a national holiday of American Thanksgiving. And that we really spend time thanking God for what he's given to us. Now, I know I've heard some people say, well, you know, that God stuff and everything. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. Really? That's what it's about. It's about giving our thanks to God. Even though we're divided on so many issues from abortion to homosexuality to uh, transgenders, all kinds of stuff. God has blessed us to be here together, be called a great nation, and it is a great nation. And then we have many different ideas floating around, but we're still one nation. And that thanksgiving is to be to God. Moses, you see, had that problem with the Israelites. He knew that they would forget where they came from, how they got this great land, and that they would forget God. Here they had this bountiful land of Canaan that we're just about ready to go into. And they had so many great resources, just like we do in America. And even we have more than they. But yet they forgot God. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite, basically, holiday of the year. Because it's really supposed to be focused on God and God alone. Because God has given us so much. Back in April 1st, April 5th, 1621, a small band of 51 pilgrims who had left Europe and landed on Plymouth Bay Colony in Massachusetts started out with 102 people and wound up with half of them were dead. And the remaining came to shore and when the Mayflower pulled out of the bay, none of them got on the and went back they stayed they were on a mission they were on a mission to come to America and if you read the Mayflower Compact the reason they were here were for two reasons one to establish a society for God where you could freely worship God and the second reason it says it right in the first paragraph to evangelize we would call them indigenous people today or in the Indians to bring them to Christ. And they were devoted people who prized what they had. And the only real thing they had besides the clothes on their back was a Bible. And that Bible was only made nine years earlier. It was the first printing by King James. And they all brought that Bible with them and they began to build a society around the Bible. They took the Bible and it was built around their homes. They built their families around the Bible. It was the center of their community and they built churches right after they built their house. And they wanted everybody to look to God. They developed great universities like Yale, Dartmouth, Harvard. Why did they develop them? To teach preachers how to expound from the scriptures which would be hard for us to see today at Harvard or Yale. And in 1621, after going through some rough times, Governor Bradford dedicated three days for thanking God and celebrating their establishment of that colony in 
Massachusetts. And they invited the Indians who helped them establish their lives and build their homes and make their farms. And he read from that great Psalm 100. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and, be, and, be, and praise his name for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And his faithfulness through the generations. 200 years later. Abraham Lincoln. In 1863, established the last Thursday of November to be a week of thanksgiving. To thank our benevolent God who dwells in the heavens. It was a day for the nation to pray, to worship God and give thanks for what he had given our nation in the midst of a civil war. Now, this is nothing new. Israel started this way back with a feast of first fruits, being grateful for what God has given to us. And the Israelites, though, were admonished by God through Moses not to forget it. Not to forget what they got from God, that's Canaan land. Their families, their mothers and fathers died in the wilderness because they disobeyed and have enough faith to go into the promised land. But now it's their turn. And he wanted the people not to forget these children. Not to forget what their parents blew off. And now they were going to get and be thankful for where it came from. It was from God. And they would have victories over armies that they couldn't even barely fight, but God would fight for them. And you see, that's why our president, Abraham Lincoln, and even our presidents today continue to call this day of thanks for our country. It's so easy to skip over. It's so easy to be unfaithful and unthankful. How many of us remember singing that song, this land is my land, this land is your land? Remember that word where it says, it was made for you and me. Who made this land for us? God did. This is what our good friend Moses is going to get into his people. And we need as a nation to come back to this. And that we keep a right perspective. Of what Thanksgiving is all about. And not only thank him on one day of year. But all the time. You see, God wants us to keep that perspective. Listen to what it says. As we walk through this life, he speaks about the Shema. And the Shema, the word in Shema in Hebrew means hear. But it's just not like going, hey, Joe. No, it's God saying to the children, listen to me. Hear this in your brain. Filter it into your heart and understand what I'm saying to you right now. Because you see, this is the foundation of what you have, not only as a nation, but as individuals. And that this is to be remembered in your life all through. Oh, this thing is popping like crazy. <laughs> 
And so God wants the children of Israel to understand where it's come from. And he's saying it through Moses. And he says, Shema Israel Adonai Adahenu Adonai Aha. And he says, Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is the one who's given it to you. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And might. In those words that I am commanding you today, you shall be on your heart. Because this is where it's really at. All the things of life that we have in us right now are given to us from the hand of God. And let me tell you something. If God were to give you everything in this life that you ever wanted, but he didn't give him you in Jesus Christ. If he didn't give you Jesus Christ, you're the poorest person in the world. Be that as it may, he's given you this life and the talents and the abilities that make up our personality. You read Psalm 139. It says, he was forming you in your mother's womb with the DNA, with the characteristics of who you are today and what you will be tomorrow. He's the one. And that when God formulated this society that he brought the Jews together, he did not just put a king in there. No, he made it elders and priests and kings who worked with each other. And they were under this covenant that God was in control. And that all the commands and all the precepts that they had to follow were under God's control. So different from the other leaderships in that day that were tyrants. And dictators. And just went off and destroyed people. No. God was in control. And that he comes. And gives them all the things that they need. For living life together. For marriage. For family. For business. For legal system. For their community to get along together. How to take care of orphans. All that is in Deuteronomy 19 through 26. Because he cared about his people. He wanted to make sure they were going to be all right. See, this is the God. And it was all from God. Moving in the leaders' hearts. And then in chapter 8, verses 10 to 11, he says, And when you have eaten and are satisfied. God wants us to be satisfied. He wanted the children of Israel to be satisfied. He wants you to enjoy life to its fullness. We believe in that Westminster Confession. And what that confession starts out with is, is, what is the purpose of life? You know, there's a lot of people running around don't know what they're doing in this life while they're even here. And that catechism lays out to us what the Bible says to us. And our purpose in life is, number one, to glorify God. If you understand that, you've got a wonderful key to life. And then the second part of it is, and to enjoy him forever. And we need to understand that God put this together so he loves us and he wants us to enjoy life fullness. And so he tells us, put me first and you will see how life will work great. And when you will eat and you will be satisfied. He wants us to be satisfied. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. But beware that you do not forget the Lord your God.
by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and the statutes which I have commanded you today. God gave us those to protect us and to get the maximum joy of life out of it. He wants us to enjoy life and enjoy the blessings that God has put in those things for us. He has written them in there. And it's up to us. And not to forget his goodness. And this is what happens oftentimes. We forget that God is good to us. And we start trying to look for satisfaction in other things in other ways that are not pleasing to God. And then we wonder why we're in trouble. We wonder why our life is falling apart. We wonder why so many excruciating things are happening. Because we're living for ourselves. We're following the great theologian, Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Rather than following the Lord. When we understand it comes from God. We understand. I often wondered why my mother and father. We would always pray at the table before the meal. And then after the meal. That's what the Jews always did. And they followed that pattern. Why? Because they were thankful that they had this food to eat. And then after we ate, they thanked God for satisfying their stomachs and having that food to eat. And you know what? The danger gets to be is when we become satisfied with ourselves. And how easily we become proud of what we've done. And we forget that God has given us that gift, that talent. And then what happens is we reject the authority of God. And what happens then, it, we spiritually start declining. See, this is the problem with wealth and being affluent and abundant. We have to be very careful and guard our hearts. As we know, the Bible says it's not money that's the problem. It's the love of money. And how easy our hearts can become greedy or our hearts can lose sight that it comes from God. And we think we've arrived. And that we lose sight of that. The giver then, God, is replaced by our basically greediness for gifts more and more. You hear it in Romans chapter 1, don't we? The Bible says there, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. See, the whole key to this is if you lose your thankfulness, you wind up building an albatross. You begin to harbor inside of your heart sinful attitudes and appetites that try to satisfy the flesh rather than glorifying God and you lose sight. And so today, one of my goals here today is to remind us of being thankful and really thankful to God. You know the word think and the word thank come from the same root word. And as we learn about that, one of the things that's so important, if you want to be a thankful person, if you want to have your attitude changed in life, you need to think about what God has given to you so that you can thank him. You know, sometimes we get going and blowing and we go and doing all different things and we're forgetting 
all the blessings that we have around us that we can do. And we don't give God the praise and glory, but we just keep on wanting more. That's why if you notice in your bulletin today, the handout with the the, uh, Bible scriptures on it, at the end of it, there's a grid. There's a Thanksgiving grid. And from now until Thanksgiving, every day, if you want to try this exercise, it's a great exercise. Think of two things every day you're thankful for. What are you thankful for? Every day put down two. You may want to do five. You may want to do seven. You know, do five and you, you wind up doing about 35. And then if you really want to get adventurous when you're getting together with the family, pray. Pray Thanksgiving and show them your list. Or, even better, before you pray, say, okay, let's stop a minute. This is the day that we thank God for things. Who's got something to thank God for? And let people express what they have that they're thankful for. It would be surprising to everybody how many things we've got to be thankful for that God has given to us. Just our health. Just the amount of food that's on the table. There is so much. And so it's so easy though to lose that. And then read Psalm 100. Where it talks about thanking the Lord. And then praying for those things. You see, the best way in our own lives. Is developing a heart of thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I know some pretty grumpy people. And I know you have sometimes met some grumpy people in your life. And some of them, they even complain about the best food they've ever had. They still complain. And you know, there are some people who say, oh God, and they're excited about the day. There's others who, as they're getting up and the alarm is ringing, say, oh God, can't you give me 10 more minutes? There are a lot of people out there who just are not grateful. They ever see everything from the negative side of the And they growl. <laughs> Sometimes we look and see where they're coming from or what they came out of and maybe we understand why. But when you have a grateful heart and you realize that everything that you own, everything that you have, is a gift of God's grace, it changes your attitude. It makes you a different person. And that you begin to not growling, but it gives you a joyful spirit. There was a young Midwestern lawyer who saw everything in the dark side of life. His partner said he was dripped with melancholy. He was always down. Everything was dark. And he says when he started working with him, he was really hard to adjust to in 1841. In fact, his partner even wrote him one day and he said, this is what I feel. I'm now the most miserable man living. 
If what I feel were equally distributed to the human family, theirs would not be a cheerful face on earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell you. I'm awfully forebode and I shall not. To remain as I am is impossible and I must die or be better, it appears to me. Now those words were written by a lawyer by the name of Abraham Lincoln. And in 1863 though, 20 years later, his heart was changed. As President of the United States, it was terrible. The Civil War was going on. Young men and women from our country who were brothers and sisters were dying on the fields of the land of America. And yet, Abraham Lincoln was the first one to proclaim the Thanksgiving proclamation to America. And he wrote this. The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthy skies. To these bounties which we have constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they are come. I declare a thanksgiving. Somewhere along the line, he noticed a difference. God had moved in Lincoln's life. And he said one time to his partner, I noticed that the folks generally about a, as happy as they want to be make their minds to be. And Lincoln said something that was very true there. Thanksgiving is a decision of each one of our minds and our hearts. We can decide either to be grumpy and negative, or we can decide to be thankful. We can decide whether or not we want to enjoy this life. We want to be cranky and tired and worn out. And that's why we're called to take stock as Christians. Our Lord has created this world and he wants us to have our lives abundantly blessed. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says the thief comes in order to steal, to kill, to destroy. He's talking about Satan. He didn't want you to have a good time the right way. But I have come that you might have life. What kind of life? A sad life, a disappointed life. Can't do anything. No, 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 no. Jesus says, I have come to give you life in all its he wants us to have the greatest life that we could ever have. And that's why Moses comes here and says, we need to take stock. And he does with the children of Israel. He says, look at the past. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water and fountains and streams. And bringing forth valleys. He said, look at this. Look at where you're going to. He says, look at where you're at right now. Verse 2, he says, remember what you went through, the wilderness for 40 years? Remember what God did for you? Your shoe leather didn't wear out. He provided for you for food every day. He gave you water to drink. He guided you by a pillar of cloud during the day and a fire by night. He provided all those things in the past. 
Look at what He's providing for you now and getting ready to take you in. And look at your future in verses 9 and 10. A land where you will eat food without scarcity. In which you will not lack anything. Is that a God who's an ogre? No, this is a God who wants you to have His best. A land whose stones have iron and out of there the hills where you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are what? Satisfied? This is what God wants for us. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that which he has given to you. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. And he doesn't want us to mess it up by not being realistic and being thankful for what he's given to us. The future that he's given to us, you will believe in Jesus Christ. You are saved. What a wonderful joy it is when you hear those words of a doctor. I'll never forget the day my doctor called me and said, Dave, you've got stage four melanoma cancer. I had a peace about it. Because I knew that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'd be with mom and dad. If I lived, I'd have a story to tell for his glory. What a wonderful thing you and I have that freedom to not be pinned down by the old enemy of death. And the security in this life that we will go on and we will move forward. No matter what goes on in our life, we are secure because we have a God who provides for us. He's done it in the past. He does it now and he will do it in our future. And the biggest danger we have is what Moses wants them to be. Where that you do not forget the Lord your God. Pride is such a big danger. Because pride begins to say, no God, you didn't do it, I did it. Promotes disobedience. God, I know better than you what will bring satisfaction to me. And so we do it and then we wonder why we've got problems. Why our lives become a mess. Because we haven't followed the wonderful things he's given to us. And provided for us. So we can have what? That abundant life. Pride promotes our arrogance. Who are you to tell me that God is right? Who is it that went to work every day 12 hours a day so my family could have a beautiful home? Well, who gave you the help that you could even get up in the morning? Who gave you that job to make that kind of money? It wasn't you. God knew what you needed. And that's why we need to build this heart of thanksgiving. A heart that is grateful. A heart that enjoys and is grateful for what God has provided. And know that we don't have to chase other things down. He'll satisfy our hearts as we trust Him. And you see, the wonderful thing about Thanksgiving is, and this is my favorite part of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the vaccine. It's a vaccine for thanks living. Because when we're going through crisis, 
We've developed, if we've developed these thankful hearts to God, we develop a faith and a confidence in God that no matter what comes our way, we're at peace with it. We've heard a lot about vaccines, you know. <laughs> and uh, a vaccine, by definition, is to prepare us, to stimulate us to be immune to infections and diseases. You see, that's what Thanksgiving does. It provides for us immunities for the depressions, the times when we're disappointed, we feel down. It doesn't become bitterness, but begins to realize that God's got a better plan for me and for you when we're going through that thing. You see, there's different kinds of faith. There's saving faith. And when you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you realize that once you have given your life to Christ, he will hold you. In the Bible, he says that not even Satan can snatch you. From the Father's hand. Paul says again. That that's what Jesus said. And Paul says. No matter what happens to you. Life. Or death. Angels. Talking about the devil. Principalities. All kinds of things can come at you. But the Bible says. Nothing. Will separate you. From the love of Christ. Nothing. And that's the saving faith we have. But then there's also this thing called temporal faith. That as we walk through life and go through the circumstances of life, we have to decide whether or not we're going to trust God. Or we're going to panic. Or doubt Him. And let that infection get into our being. But you see, when we've developed this thankful heart and we see how God has helped us in the past and what he's done for us in the past, we are not afraid to give him the reins and let him do whatever he wants for the future because we know he has his best for us. In fact, we even say that in a verse that's so beautiful in Romans, we hear it sometimes said a lot. Because we know. In Romans 8, 28 says, For we know all things, any circumstance, any situation in your life that comes to you, even bad things, will not separate you. But rather, in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for what? For your good and for his purposes. And so we can know that no matter what, we have God who's going to take care of that and work us through it and get us through it and help us as we go along. Some of you may have grown up in a dysfunctional family. And sometimes you find yourself, maybe you say, I wish I didn't have this family. I tell you that if you start thinking about what God brought you through 
in that family. God can show you and give you things to be thankful for because now those things have made you a better person. Those things can help you and help others who struggle. No matter what kind of background you've had. Last couple of times I've done funerals. I've done them for friends who don't go to this church. And one of the saddest things is they have a parent that lived on the wild side and never grew out of the uh, hippie movement. They never moved out of the how could we say in New York State where they had that big get together with Jimi Hendrix and all. They never, they never grew out of that. So they continued to party and they lived their life. And there was at least one stable parent who stayed and hung in there. And yet all of them, I had one family I did, the funeral for a dad. And all of them were successful individuals. Well, why was that? Because you see, God helped them to see and take the ugly stuff and change their attitudes so that they wouldn't become like that. And that they could be better in their lives. And they realized that by the grace of God, that's where they became. None of them became slough-offs. None of them became drug addicts. But they all became responsible, successful people in life. Two of them have since come to Christ. Even though they came out of the mess that they came out of. And you see, this is what God does for us. Faith is a rare thing, folks. But yet... And it's precious. And we can be thankful to God no matter where we've come from, no matter what we've come out of. That he helps us walk with feet on solid ground. No matter what circumstance we go through. We learn how to be thankful God can make a great thing of our lives. Last week we sang a beautiful hymn. Not many people know about the hymn. The hymn we sang was, Now Thank We All Our God. It was written by a man by the name of Martin Rinkert, who basically was a pastor. I want to read the words to the first verse where it says, Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices. Whose wondrous things have done, in whom this world rejoices. Who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. The second verse, oh may this bounteous God 
through all of life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us when we're perplexed and free us from all ills of this world and the next. And you would think, well, man, this guy is living in some utopia. If you know anything about the background of that hymn, you might want to rethink Thanksgiving. Because you see, he wrote that hymn in the 17th century amidst a pandemic. Germany was hit with the Black Plague in those days. Martin Rinker was the pastor of the church in his development. He was the only one. And during the time of the Black Plague, he said they averaged about three funerals a day and buried over 1,600 people. And of those 1,600 people, one of those people was his wife and two were his children. And yet he wrote that. Germany went basically from, they believe the population went from 16 million to 6 million. Two thirds of their population was wiped out. And yet in the midst of all this, he writes, oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us, to keep us in his grace, to guide us when we're perplexed. That wasn't a sunshine and happiness time. And yet he wrote that, realizing that God was the essence of life. And that pulled him through these dark and difficult times, raising his own children, the other five, by himself as a widower. And when you and I understand that this thanks living can be a vaccine to help us through these difficult times, we'll have that peace that God gives that passes all understanding in our difficult times. And that we'll see things differently in our lives as we appreciate what God does. And that we build our faith then and our confidence in God. Why? Because we look at the past of what he's done. And the more and more we thank him for those things, the more and more confident we get in our heart that he will help us now and forever. Oh, I know, folks. <laughs> I know how easy it is to get discouraged and get that grumbling Israeli-like thing that the Israelites had. 
You know, the other day I was grumbling because my back was bothering me. And you guys know that I've been battling now for three months this back. And um, I was kind of grumbling to the Lord. When are you going to heal me, Lord? i got things to do. <laughs> like he's going to listen to me. Like he needs me. <laughs> and I walked into Jason's Deli. And I'm standing in line. And all of a sudden I hear a familiar voice. It's a fellow that I had met 30 years ago. And I've seen him on and off throughout the years. And he was there with his wife. And God smacked me right upside the face. Because you see, Rob was a fireman. Past tense. And one day, working a dangerous accident on Highway 54, as a fireman, as he stood between the ambulance and the car that was hit to begin to help the person that he was going to hit, someone hit the car behind that was in the accident and he went into the back of the ambulance and crushed both of his legs and he had to have them both amputated. And that he had just come, he said, from the park, racing his wife. Because he has a special bike where he turns it with his hands because he has no legs. And she uses a regular bike and they were racing four miles in the bank, in the park before they came over to have some food at Jason. And God reminded me, Dave, look how good I've been to you. Look what you still have. Be thankful, Dave. You know, we can look at our life and like the, the, the people that saw the farmer one day. The farmer had a beautiful horse. And it ran away. And the farmer said, well, the God has purpose. I don't know why, but that horse ran away. Three days later, the horse came back with three other horses. They were wild horses. He tamed them. Later on in his life, the son came over and fell off one of those horses, broke his leg. People said, man, that's sad. Your son won't be able to play his last year of football at high school because he broke his leg for all of those. And then <clears throat> the army came by and they were looking for young men to go to war. But they wouldn't let his son go to war because of a broken leg. See, it's all a matter of what we're thankful for and really how God has it laid out for us. And some of the things we have happen in our life we think are awful, but guess what? God's got a purpose and there's a reason why it's happening. Learn how to be thankful through that. And that you can trust God for what he's going to do. For the future for you in that. Because it's powerful.
If you have a thankful heart, you'll develop the faith that will trust God to bring you through that for his glory and for your good. Let's pray together. Lord, we just give you thanks for all the many blessings you give us. Lord, I pray for these folks this holiday season as we go and get with our families and friends and we give thanksgiving to you, Lord. We can truly understand how great you've been to us and how much you build us in our faith when we realize that. Thank you for this time to be with these brothers and sisters. I pray for a blessing on their week. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to wish you all a blessed Thanksgiving. Please rise. And I also want to thank you all for the pastor appreciation gift um, that you gave my wife and I. And uh, what a blessing it is to be able to serve you guys for these 34 years. Um, and it's just been a great joy, and it still is. I'm looking forward to the future. Now let's receive our benediction. Lord, be with these folks as they go this week. Fill their hearts with your gratitude and to enjoy what they have. Be grateful for what they have. And that we thank you especially for the grace you've given us in Jesus Christ to have a salvation that we have. And for all the people that you surround us with. I pray, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit to love and to share that time together very richly. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. God be with you too.